Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. Now, I hope you give them a call. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com is the website. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is LifeInNaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're talking about current events. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. There's hospitals that are replacing anesthesiologists with certified registered nurse anesthetists. Easy for me to say. In any event, we'll talk to him about some of the changes that are being made in healthcare. And Jack Wirt is the Executive Director of the Naples Marco Island Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. We're talking about the growth in visitation at long last. It is April the 9th, and on this day in 1945, a man that I greatly admire, Lutheran pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, was hung at Flossenburg only days before the American liberation of the POW camp. The last words of the brilliant and courageous 39-year-old opponent of Nazism were, this is the end, for me, the beginning of life. Two days after Adolf Hitler became Chancellor of Germany, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, lecturer at Berlin University, took to the radio and denounced the Nazi dictatorship. Bonhoeffer's broadcast was cut off before he could finish. Shortly thereafter, he moved to London to pastor a German congregation while also giving support to the Confessing Church movement in Germany. A declaration by Lutheran and evangelical pastors and theologians that they would not have their churches co-opted by the Nazi government for propagandistic purposes Bonhoeffer uh, returned to Germany in 1935 to run a seminary for the Confessing Church. The government closed the seminary in 1937. Bonhoeffer's continued vocal objections to Nazi policies resulted in his losing his freedom to lecture or publish. He soon joined the German resistance movement, even joined the plot to assassinate Hitler. In April 1943, shortly after becoming engaged to be married, He was arrested by the Gestapo. Evidence implicating him in the plot to overthrow the government came to light, and he was court-martialed and sentenced to die. While in prison, he acted as a counselor and pastor to prisoners of all denominations. His letters and papers from prison were published posthumously. Among his celebrated works of the theology are The Cost of Discipleship and Ethics. Uh, I read uh, Eric Metox's great book, Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Martyr, Prophet, Spy. It's a terrific read. I hope you'll uh, take a look at it. Uh, Bonhoeffer was a very special man. Not only for his uh, holiness, but also for his political activity in in fighting Nazism and actually trying to take out the Fuhrer. Well, the number of COVID-19 cases has plateaued at a disturbingly high level, and the U.S. is at risk for a new surge. That, according to Anthony Fauci, doomsday uh, salesman. He warned this on Wednesday, and while uh, lower than the peak earlier this year, there were still more than 61,000 new cases reported at Wednesday, according to data from Johns Hopkins. And the lack of continued significant decreases in infections is a concern, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases said. Uh, Dr. Fauci, the director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, told CBS on Wednesday that while mask wearing depends on level of virus in the community, it's still broadly necessary to avoid another surge. Man still trying to fan the flames of fear, even though all the numbers are pointing to the fact that the virus is dissipating. In fact, there's a mask burning, as I mentioned, in Fort Lauderdale on the East Coast. I'm not going to go. But I think it's a great idea, symbolic, I think, for the fact that we should all be celebrating our freedom and not masking up. Well, take it from the holy to the profane, exclusive from the email, or from the Daily Mail, what wasn't in Hunter Biden's book, 
How he got unauthorized Secret Service protection, begged Joe to run for the White House to salvage his own reputation and make porn films with prostitutes. Forensic experts prove the laptop, laptop is Hunter Biden's laptop. This is so interesting because all of this came out when uh, Bobolinsky was on the show with uh, Tucker Carlson. This, I think, goes back to October before the election. Anyhow, Hunter Biden released his tell-all memoir, Beautiful Things, on Tuesday, but left out shocking details. Dailymail.com can reveal those secrets after contents of his abandoned laptop, including a cache of 103,000 text messages and 154,000 emails. More than 2,000 photos were verified by top forensic experts. In other words, there's no question now as to whether this was his laptop. Hunter left his MacBook Pro his laptop at the Wilmington, Delaware computer repair shop in April 2019 and never returned to pick it up. In text from 2019, Hunter begged his father to run for president to salvage his own reputation. Hunter repeatedly dodged police action against him, despite constantly dealing with drug dealers and prostitutes and having multiple run-ins with the law. The president's son was guarded by a Secret Service agent while on a 2018 drug and prostitute binge in Hollywood, despite not being entitled to the protection. Hunter also appeared to be obsessed with making porn films with prostitutes, videos, and photos on his laptop show. Text also shows Joe Biden was afraid of his conversations with Hunter. He was afraid they were being hacked, even as they discussed his White House bid. Uh, I'm not gonna, this article is extremely long and very, very... Uh, a lot of facts and a lot of information. I just encourage you to visit DailyMail.com to see the whole nauseating rundown of what happened. And of course, he picks up a book deal and he's hands. Uh, uh, nobody's going to bother Hunter Biden right now as the son of the president. But the media's general coverage of Hunter Biden's drug abuse and criminality after years of relentlessly attacking the Trump family from former President Donald Trump all the way down to his teenage son, Barron, shows disheartening hypocrisy and unequal scales of justice. Eric Trump was yesterday on, uh, what's the name of his show? Anyhow, he was a guest on a show on Newsmax TV. You see how we were attacked by the media. You see how the weaponized and legal system against us, how they come after every single day and how they criticize us, how the parody on Saturday Night Live, and you know that we've lived honest lifestyles, he told Greg Kelly. That was the Greg Kelly show yesterday. We've lived clean lifestyles. We haven't gotten into trouble. We've never been in jail. You look at the discrepancy, but you look at how we're treated versus how he's treated, and he's talking about Hunter Biden, and he continued, the unequal scales of justice in this country are amazing. And it's so true. Uh, we, the press right now is taking care of Hunter Biden. We'll protect him. As the Justice Department, the FBI, you name it, everybody uh, is on the side of the Democrats, unfortunately. The man accused of trying to extort $25 million from Representative Matt Gates' family admitted Monday that he asked Congressman's dad for cash but denied that it was a shakedown. This Bob Cannon, ex-Air Force intelligence officer, confirmed to Sirius Radio Michael Smir Smirkanish, that he approached the Florida Republican's dad, Don Getz, for money last month. So the story goes, it's a very complicated story. The FBI is apparently trying to investigate Don Getz for, or I should say Matt, his son, Don's son, Matt, trying to investigate him for uh, sexual, uh, he's bringing around with a 17-year-old. And uh, so they're investigating him for this. But this is, a, this is, I wanted to get to this statement because on Thursday, women who work with U.S. Congressman Getz, his office released the following statement in full support of the congressman who is under investigation for sex crimes. After the shocking allegations last week in the press, we, the women of Congressman Matt Getz's office, feel morally obligated to speak out. During Congressman Getz's time in office, we've been behind the scenes every step of the way. We've staffed his meetings. We've planned his events, we've traveled with him, and we've tracked his schedule. Congressman Getz has always been a principled and morally grounded leader. At no time has any one of us experienced or witnessed anything less than the utmost professionalism and respect. 
no hint of impropriety, no ounce of untruthfulness. In our office and under Congress's Scats leadership, women are not only respected, but have been encouraged time and again to grow, achieve, and ultimately know, know more va- our value. Many of us stayed, started in entry-level positions and have been promoted to positions of leadership within the office and our professional ecosystem. Women are given every opportunity to advance and utilize our talents to uh, help the country in the best possible way. On every occasion, we have treated each other and every one of us with respect. Thus, we uniformly reject these allegations. Congressman Sketz will continue to lead by example and stand for people of of America who have been maligned by the liberal elite, and we will stand with him. Great statement by uh, the employees of Matt Getz. And again, this is again another hit job, quite frankly. It looks to me. Now, the jury's out. If he's done anything wrong, he should be uh, held accountable. Sex trafficking was the word I was looking for. He was uh, accused of running around with a 17-year-old, taking her across state lines. But uh, all the evidence here indicates that's just not true. And this has just been another hit job, in my opinion, just like the hit job on Ron DeSantis, trying to take uh, Republicans who are gaining strength, popularity, and uh, influence, take them down here in the United States. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you give them a call. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman. He's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, I hope you'll check out Choice Social. It's a new and refreshing social networking platform. Check out choicesocial.us on the web. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He's a research fellow, or I should say, actually, he's director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Give us a few words, if you would, about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, 
We're a, a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So we've got so much going on right now, and uh, maybe we could, you could bring us up to date on what's happening with the latest developments on the infrastructure plan, <laughs> which is a misnomer, but what are your thoughts? <laughs> Indeed, a, a misnomer, the so-called infrastructure plan. And along those lines, the, the president had a bizarre press conference on Wednesday. And, and the subject was he was trying to redefine the term infrastructure. Mm. Um, uh, you know, but he said that it, it has evolved over time to meet the aspirations of the American people. And he says that today, infrastructure, far from meaning roads and bridges, which is, I guess, how most people understand it. Today, it means building dignity. That was his term. Um, so I guess this whole press conference, uh, you know, again, Orwellian stuff, um, but it's meant to justify the fact that the bill, uh, the infrastructure package, has so little actual infrastructure spending in it. I mean, you know, most of it, as we discussed on prior Fridays, is given to climate change or broadband or advancing union or pro-union uh, pro regulations and the like. Um, so it was uh, kind of a wacky stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, and uh, it's so interesting to all of a sudden have a politician like Joe Biden trying to define terms for us and to tell us what things mean. <laughs> it's really kind of ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I'm wondering, can the Democrats stay together on this thing? You know, this, that's an open question, and uh, but one thing I guess we know for sure is that they plan on rushing ahead. Um, that's about the most concrete information we have, is that mm. this is going to be on a very fast schedule. Uh, Nancy Pelosi this week said that uh, the House expects to wrap up a package by July 4th, and uh, Senate Democrat leadership this week gave Republicans, their Republican counterparts, a month to negotiate. So clearly they're planning on going huh. full speed ahead as well. Um, it's, uh, uh, I'll note this about the kind of, the, the, again, the speed with which this bill is proceeding through Congress. Um, Rep Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky, he had a very interesting tweet this week, noting that 25% of this country's national debt or, you know, deficit since uh, the founding in 1789 has occurred in only the last year. And it's sort of amazing that um, with another $2 trillion potentially in the works that the Democrats seem intent on no deliberation. I mean, it does, uh, it's kind of shocking the extent mm -hmm. to which um, that there's so little thought and deliberation going into these huge checks being written, um, you know, of public money. Public money checks being written to illegal aliens. I mean, I can't believe the amount of money, illegal or kind of off topic on that discussion, but being bust all over the United States, particularly the red states. It's so interesting how to see actually how this administration is ignoring the law, not only ignoring, but breaking the law uh, while trying to make law uh, for things like the infrastructure plan. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh it's curious. I mean, again, it's, it's, uh, this is, you know, again, fresh off the heels, a $2 trillion bill. It's another $2 trillion bill. And it's one that uh, just as the COVID bill had very little to do with taking on the pandemic. This infrastructure bill has very little to do with infrastructure. Right. Um, so we are seeing a troubling pattern developing here. And, and again, these are, uh, you know, our national debts at $30 trillion. Um, that's a big deal. Um, and should be considered as much by our, our elected leaders. So it is this kind of absence of deliberation, this uh, kind of smoke and mirrors show um, around the semantics of the quote-unquote infrastructure. It is all troubling stuff, and, and I'll say this as well. The president promised to lead in his inauguration speech in a bipartisan fashion. Mm. Um, the infrastructure-only parts of this package are actually supported by Republicans, by big business, by kind of everyone across the board. Mm -hmm. um, that has a genuine... 
So it, it, it's just silly that, that instead of taking that low-hanging fruit and what would be a genuine bipartisan victory in solving a genuine problem, um, arguably, you know, the state of, of infrastructure, uh, you know, that he's proceeded with this highly partisan, uh, we've called it in past, uh, past Friday's uh, progressive wish list. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the path forward. And instead of uh, the 25% of the $2 trillion, you know, $500 billion that everyone can agree on, he goes for $2 trillion, um, of which the vast preponderance has nothing to do with infrastructure and, mm. and you know, completely defies any semblance of bipartisanship. Yeah. So that doesn't augur well. Uh, you know, you make a great point. I mean, there is an opportunity for bipartisanship moving forward. The, in fact, Trump actually had a trillion dollars in his bill that he was planning uh, before uh, November, to which would have been an infrastructure program for bridges and roads and uh, for our a grid and for a number of things that I think probably Democrats could agree on, but it uh, doesn't look like that's the direction they want to take. Alas, it doesn't. Yeah. So, uh, you know, good news. Uh, you know, uh, Biden's got uh, uh, Joe Manchin's wife a, a cushy job. It looked like it was a payola to me, quite frankly, trying to <laughs> get his vote to support things. But he's come out now, and he's basically, there is no way I'm going to vote against the uh, current rules of uh, the Senate and uh, destroy the 60-vote requirement for, for legislation. Now Kirsten Sinema, as I understand it, has come out with the same position. Are things starting to fall apart there? Well, yeah, so there's actually been a, a different sort of development on that front this week. Um, so whereas, yes, those two senators, those two moderate Democrat senators, did affirm their opposition to to uh, uh, doing away with the filib- filibuster, mm-hmm. um, Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, this week won, we actually discussed this last Friday, mm-hmm. um, the, the reconciliation process. That was how they actually passed the COVID bill, the COVID stimulus um, for time immemorial, ever since it's been used, has understood it's been understood to only be available two times a year. Um, Chuck Schumer this week won a ruling from the Senate parliamentarian that, in effect, allows the Democrats to use this reconciliation process as frequently as they want to. Um, and indeed, it's being contemplated for the infrastructure bill. Mm. So this is really a filibuster, uh, getting away, uh, doing away with the filibuster, but by a different means. I mean, it accomplishes the same ends. Mm. Um, that said, I'll note this. Reconciliation is a giant pain in the rear as a procedural matter for the Senate to take on. So there are costs to Schumer, you know, repeatedly dipping into this reconciliation well. Um, however, this week, notwithstanding uh, Manchin and, and uh, Senator Sinema's opposition to filibuster, quote-unquote, reform, um, uh, Schumer basically achieved the same thing uh, via this parliamentarian ruling regarding the reconciliation process. Yeah, that's scary stuff. Well, this is great commentary. Again, William Yatman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we'll visit with another member of the Cato Institute. Michael Cannon is the Reese is the uh, healthcare director, director of healthcare studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. 
Blue Provence French restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, uh, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and now building a performing arts center. In downtown Naples, you can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jack Wirt, the executive director of the Naples Marco Island Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He's, again, the uh, director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back. Thank you, Michael. So we're always talking about trends of what's happening with regard to health care. And I read yesterday that there's a move by Watertown Regional Medical Center, an affiliate of LifePoint Health, to remove all of its anesthesiologists from its staff and substitute them with certified registered nurse anesthetists. Now, I just finished, <laughs> just finished back surgery. I was under, uh, and my anesthesiologist had me under for five and a half hours. I don't know if I'd be comfortable having a nurse doing that. What are your thoughts? So uh, I think that this is a really important development and something that is happening across the health sector, actually not as much as it should be happening. Uh-huh. And it, it's an example of the ways that markets can make healthcare more affordable while health keeping quality constant or even improving quality. Huh. Now, what I say it's an example of how markets can do that. I'm not sure that it will do that in this case, but it is, it is important that the hospital is willing to risk the liability that would come from some you know, patient like you who's under for five and a half hours being injured if the certified nurse anesthetists are not as competent to perform those services as an MD, as an anesthesiologist would be. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is how markets should be making healthcare more affordable for everyone by allowing people with less training who are less expensive to perform in places that are more convenient services that only people who are, who, who are more highly trained uh, and more expensive would perform in less convenient locations. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. It, and it doesn't mean that there's no oversight here it is because markets are, are trying to innovate in this way to make healthcare more affordable. But it doesn't mean the government is not involved. It's involved by protecting patients in the event that they do get harmed. Yeah. If patients are harmed, you can... Uh, you can sue the hospital uh, as well as the uh, nurse anesthetist. Uh, and the, the fact that you can sue leads the hospital to make very care, hopefully to make very careful decisions yeah. about whether uh, uh, they're going to make these, uh, about whether this particular uh, switch is going to be in the interest of patients and is going to keep patients safe. I, I think that's well said. I mean, I, I was a little bit facetious when I said that the, uh, uh, I mean, if, if in fact this person's extensively trained and uh, under the physician guidance of a, of a phys- guidance of a physician, I like the idea that nurses are now starting to take on some of the tasks that doctors otherwise would have to do 
you know, I think it unnecessarily takes the doctor's time. And if the, if the uh, nurses are well-trained, uh, they can do those tasks. That's right. And this is a, this is a, uh, a, a debate that plays out in the health sector all the time in all sorts of areas. Should nurse practitioners be able to practice independently of physicians and make diagnoses and prescribe medication? Should uh, dental therapists even be allowed to practice? Uh, because in most states, they, they still cannot. Uh, and uh, therefore, the government is blocking uh, an act, an, uh, uh, a way for patients to access affordable basic dental services. The problem is rather than allow entrepreneurs and hospitals and so forth to make these decisions based on their assessment of the actual risk of uh, actual risk to patients as transmitted to them through the medical malpractice liability system as the risk of liability. We are letting government decide these issues uh, at the front end by yeah. blocking, in some cases, uh, hospitals from turning to nurse anesthetists or blocking nurse practitioners from competing with doctors to provide basic medical services and blocking dental therapists from entering the market at all. Yeah. And when you give the government the power to do that, well, who, who weighs in most heavily on those decisions about whether we're going to allow innovation? It's the dinosaurs who are providing uh, uh, services at too high a cost yeah. who know that they're going to be uh, underbid by people who are going to make health care more affordable for the rest of us. So they use those government regulations to block competition. And that's one of the reasons why healthcare is so expensive. Yeah, you know, I'm so, so glad you made this point. Quite frankly, it is so broke right now. Our, our healthcare um, insurance as, as well as health healthcare system costs could be so much lower. This process could be so much more simple, and the process could actually be better run in the, in the uh, private market and the free market in the private sector if uh, government would just get out of the way. So, I, I mean, I think you're making great points about this. Uh, before I let you go, though, I do want to ask you about <laughs> the president yesterday in his message about gun control. He said that we are having a public health crisis of gun violence. And in uh, his plans do not infringe on the Second Amendment. I just wanted, would appreciate your comments on that. Well, of course, there's too much gun violence in the United States, and we have the government uh, there to protect us from people who would harm us. Mm -hmm. But that's not what President Biden is talking about. Right? He, there are already laws that enable the government to stop people from doing violence to each other uh, with, with firearms. What President Biden is talking about is imposing restrictions on peaceful gun owners who are not doing anything to harm anyone else, and calling it a public health measure. And, and that really uh, 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 gets me riled up because public health is something like COVID-19. Yeah. Public health concerns itself with contagious diseases, uh, 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 activities that have a uh, sort of, uh, well, it's basically contagious diseases. Firearms violence is not a contagious disease. This is not something you inadvertently passed to another person through casual contact. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and to call something of, but they call it a public health crisis because they know that, uh, that just about everyone agrees that the government should get involved in some ways when it comes to public health crises. And they want to, uh, to, to hang that mantle upon it so that uh, they can do more to restrict the, the, the uh, right to keep and bear arms of peaceful gun owners. Absolutely. I'm so well said. The fact of the matter is that uh, almost everything that uh, he said yesterday about gun ownership is false. And uh, uh, if, if we want to, uh, for example, reduce the amount of uh, violence uh, with guns, one of the things we could do is just enforce the laws that we currently have on the books. <laughs> we could just start there uh, in places. And like another thing we can do is never take advice from Joe Biden about how to handle a firearm. <laughs> if you recall, uh, this is a guy who is recommending that the, uh, that y you shoot through the door with a shotgun to 
think there's someone on the other side who's there to do you harm. That is terrible advice. That yeah. is, that is, uh, that would increase the amount of unnecessary gun violence in this country. Uh, so I, I don't, I, I don't, I hope Congress and the courts do not let uh, President Biden get away with it. Absolutely. Again, Michael uh, Cannon uh, at the Cato Institute, CATO.org is the website. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Take care, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, Jack Wirt, the Executive Director of the Naples, Marco Island, Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. And uh, one of, for example, one of the initiatives is uh, helping get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a terrific organization. I serve on the board proudly, and I hope you'll find out more by visiting uh, thefga.org, thefga.org. Well, uh, a new poll of Jack, I couldn't, uh, we didn't get through. We must have had our wires crossed, but uh, we got a lot to talk about. A new poll from Real Clear Opinion Research shows astonishing widespread public support for school choice in America. School choice is now supported by 71% of voters, 71%, including 75% of Republicans and 69% of Democrats. So it's very bipartisan among race and ethnicities. The breakdown is still strong. White, 73%. Black, 66%. And Hispanic, 68%. Asian, 66%. Uh, while there's so much that can be infuriating about politics right now, we find optimism in the fact that America is having a true national awakening to the importance of competition in education. For the first time, I might add, since the uh, 1920s, if there were a silver lining to this immoral, draconian lockdown that the union bosses cruelly forced on our children, perhaps this was it. So in other words, this is a, the, uh, the bright side of the lockdowns is perhaps people beginning to discover that school choice is so important. And of course, uh, the unions have so much power right now, and it's been demonstrated by their, in, their unwillingness to support kids while trying to get the, you know feather their own nests. So uh, I hope people will continue to push for school choice. We're certainly getting that in Florida, and I'm really pleased 
Of course, we have, uh, I, mean, I want to mention, uh, we have uh, Keith Law on the show. He's co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. And I want to just remind you that celebrating kids and country, part two, the inside scoop on America's K-12 education system is coming up on April the 17th, 9 to 12 p.m. It's going to be held at the Naples Community Church. Uh, the, the cost is minimal, but I do, it's, there is a cost. There, by the way, it includes a free breakfast. From uh, Chick Fil A. So, if you would uh, like to attend, I've got four free tickets that I can provide you, and it's going to be great. Great, uh, Alex Newman, from the CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media, is going to be there. Uh, Rebecca Rebecca Friedrichs, co-founder or founder for the Kids for the Country. Erica Donalds is going to be there. Uh, Nicole McCloy, she is a Hope Scholarship mother, and Dr. Duke Pesta. He was speaking out there for a long time against uh, Common Core. Well, he's going to be a guest as well as Carrie McDonald, the Senior Education Fellow at the Foundation for Economic Education. So a great program. And again, if you would like to have a couple of tickets, one, two, three, or four tickets, you can send me an email at uh, bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Or uh, you can give me a call at 598-3889, 598-3889. Well, uh, Joe Biden on Wednesday delivered a speech on his Socialist American Jobs Act, and less than 2,000 people watched him on the uh, live feed from the YouTube. He spent his entire adult life fleecing people and selling out his public office and countless international pay-to-play schemes, but he pretended to be the old middle-class Joe from Scranton. He's proposing the first major federal tax hike since 1993 to fund a plan to tackle climate change, infrastructure, and other socialist pet projects, as we talked about with William Yateman. Biden's tax hike is unpopular, but since we have no real media, he gets away with lying about the bill and how he plans to pay for it by crushing the middle class with tax hikes. I'm not trying to punish anybody, but damn it, he said, maybe because I come from the middle class neighborhood, I'm sick and tired of ordinary people being fleeced, Biden said regarding this proposed proposal to raise the corporate tax to 28%. Now, so you charge the corporations 28% instead of 21% as they currently do. What's that going to do to the price of goods? It's going to increase the price of goods. And who's that, who's going to pay for that increase in price? Well, it's going to be the consumer. So Joe, by the way, is saying, I'm not trying to punish anybody, but I'm trying, trying to take care of the middle class. I'm sick and tired of ordinary people being fleeced. Joe Biden's doing the fleecing here with his uh, tax increase. Middle-class Joe from Scanton, Scranton cares about the common worker, American worker. It's just not true. Finally, with regard, we, didn't, we haven't talked much about what's happening at the border, but it's truly awful. Uh, Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott demanded that the White House close a San Antonio facility housing migrant children uh, following allegations that children were being sexually assaulted. During a Wednesday evening press conference, Abbott said he received tips that alleged that children at the Freeman Coliseum facility were being sexually abused and were not getting enough food to eat. The problems are a byproduct of President Biden's open door, policy, open door policies, open border policies, and the lack of planning for the fallout of those disastrous policies. And by the way, human smugglers are using Facebook to connect with foreign nationals seeking to enter the United States illegally, human smugglers are openly advertising their services on Facebook, falsely telling Central Americans that are interested to, uh, to uh, respond. Migrants uh, smugglers using Facebook to organize illegal border crossings appeared first in the national calls. So here we have uh, the president's denied uh, his position on Facebook, but we have human smugglers who are using Facebook in order to run their smuggling business. Finally, Alex Jones and InfoWars crew have been tracking the human smuggling operations of the Biden administration. Buses were recorded taking children from the dirt floor camp under the International Bridge in McAllen to be processed in Donna, Texas. They moved to a COVID-19 processing center in downtown McAllen, and from there, they're processed at a Christian charity whether they're given bus or airplane tickets, and moved to the airport or bus station. When a crew was uh, walking to the Christian Security Center near the bus station, they witnessed five children and an adult exiting the center 
and being loaded into a hatchback car. Three of these children were loaded in the luggage compartment with no seatbelts present. Boy, you don't want to be confronted with these people from Alex Jones. They really made a stink about this. But what this demonstrates is what's happening right now. Biden understands the the uh, the uh, border is open. He's he is uh, in embracing the whole notion that we have illegal aliens coming in. He's shipping them off to different red states. He's giving them money, and uh, this is all against the law. He's not enforcing the law. He's breaking the law in order to build uh, the uh, strength of the Democrat Party and in, in the next election election cycle. It's just a sad story. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dave Bigo. He's the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It's about the travails of dealing with union bosses from SEIU over the course of two and a half years. And they played some astoundingly dirty tricks on Dave and his, on his customers, uh, using the press, using the ministry. I mean, uh, unbelievable stories, what they did in order to try to get him to influence him to get him to sign a neutrality agreement. He refused. And wrote a book about it. It's called The Devil Outer Doorstep. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Dave Bigo. He's the uh, owner, founder of Executive Management Services, doing business in over 40 states with over 6,000 employees. He wrote a book about uh, being approached by union bosses. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. Uh, it was the dirty trucks that were played over court two and a half years in order to get him to sign a neutrality agreement are just unbelievable. I encourage you to read the book because it not only gives you an insight into how unions operate, but also it's kind of out of the playbook of the Democrat Party. Dave Vigo, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Bob. Appreciate it. Always appreciate it, Dave. Always appreciate your messages. And uh, I know that uh, Biden is, pro is promoting a bunch of stuff right now, including this HR1 program bill and uh, the infrastructure program. Is any any uh, any of this, including in uh, uh, information and activity about the unions? Absolutely, it is, and um, the uh, infrastructure bill. Um, in in that and all that money that uh, they've got <clears throat> um, set up in that, four hundred billion of it is going to go to the SEIU, the Service Employees International Union, the union we beat 
and um, yeah, it's he's doing that. Um, so and basically padding the the, the payroll, so the, the roles of the service employees in the national union. Um, but it, what this is, it's a Biden political plan to use taxpayer funds to coerce states to expand the SEIU roles uh, with cash that will then flow back to elect more Democrats. So, and this is what I've talked about before, is that the Democrats are, are controlled by the unions because the unions pour money into the Democratic Party, and then they have them um, sign bills and do bills like this that uh, put money back into the uh, pockets of the uh, unions and the union leaders. And um, also as part of this um, uh, infrastructure bill, uh, he will be promoting the PRO Act, which will uh, uh, allow them to uh, reinsert the neutrality agreement and card check and stuff like that. The same thing that the SEIU tried to force us to do. That is so. I've also heard that uh, this bill will get rid of somehow the right to work in several states. Get rid that's, of that's not just several states. Their goal in this bill is to eliminate right to work across the country. Uh, astounding, and it also would increase. As I understand it, uh, organizations that can be unionized. Yep, that's right. And uh, there's all all kinds of things, and uh, that they're working on right now. And of course, the National Labor Relations Board is um, is now being run by a pro pro union guy, and um, you know they're they're starting to do things across the board that um, um, are going to. Uh, eliminate the um, restrictions that President Trump put into place and allow unions to come back in and force unionized people and uh, be in employers' uh, facilities all the time trying to uh, unionize their people and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be a tough road. If it passes, and let's, yeah. hope, let's hope it doesn't. Now, the, Well, that's not... The, but. Some of this is just what the NRB is putting in place, which is going to make it a tough road, too. So the National Labor Relations Board is already moving in this direction as well. Oh, yeah, big time. That's what I was just saying. Oh, my goodness. So uh, uh, this, well, this is very depressing. It would be one thing if unions uh, provided value, but uh, they don't provide value. Well, I shouldn't say all unions. Some unions do provide value, and I'm talking about probably the steam fitters and other organizations that are more vo focused on skilled uh, labor, but uh, unfortunately the SEIU, uh, it's governed in a such a way that, that they, they are just thugs, they're punks, they're just looking to uh, uh, torment the, the uh, I'm going to call it free enterprise. Well, they want to bring free enterprise down, and the, the, the whole objective of, of uh, these big unions in the far left, and the radical left, and, uh, and some of these radical um, large business owners like Soros is to bring this country down and turn us into a socialist communist country. And this is what all this is about. Mm -hmm. And even, even the Infrastructure Act and, and these other things, the PRO Act and stuff like that, this is all designed to do that. And um, the SEIU is, is moving, pushing this forward big time. And uh, they're even... Uh, you know, taking control of some states. It's like up in Portland, uh, in Oregon. Um, there's a gal up there that um, she um, worked for the Oregon's Department of Transportation, and um, she um, when the uh, do you remember the uh, the bill that was passed uh, back in 2018, the Janus versus AFSCME ruling that mandatory union fees mm -hmm. uh, for government workers violate the First Amendment so they wouldn't have to pay them anymore across the country. And uh, she went immediately went and told the, the union and the, uh, the government that to quit deducting uh, union dues from my paycheck. And the SEIU is just uh, overwhelming the government. And uh, they are just still, uh, three years later now, uh, taking money out of her paycheck. That's just, I mean, the, the Supreme Court made that decision. So, I mean, the, literally, if a, an employee says, a federal employee says, that, look, I, I don't want to, or a state employee says, I don't want to be a, a part of, I don't want to pay the union dues, that's part of the law now. And uh, needless to say. But they're, but they're still doing it. And this is the thing behind the scenes, these governments and, and, or, and 
Oregon is a, a far left state. Sure. Um, uh, they're being controlled by the unions and people like this. And this is the type of thing this country will look like uh, as they move forward and try and take over the whole country. Yeah. Well, yeah, you pointed out in your book that the the, the whole reason this thing was flared up as it did in your book is because you refused to sign a neutrality agreement, which would allow uh, union bosses to just, if you'd signed it, to just go by and sign up your employees uh, intimidate them at home or wherever in the workplace, and once you could, they got the 50% plus one, you'd be unionized. Well, my understanding now is this legislation would say would say that you don't need to sign a neutrality agreement. That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, it is, but they're also putting back in uh, that um, the um, employers have to sign neutrality agreements if the unions want them to, too. So they're they're still putting other things in there just to make sure that they got themselves covered at every step of the way. Uh, not a pretty picture, Dave. So, uh, well, what can we do about this? Well, the American people need to, stand, uh, you know, um, and uh, fight back and uh, don't allow the left to bring us down like this. And I think Bob, you know, and talking to people on both sides of the aisle, and even some union people. Um, who aren't in the big unions, they're in smaller unions. Like I was talking to a guy here this past week, uh, and uh, even though he's a member of the union, um, and he says, my union's okay, he says, but these bigger unions are bad, and uh, we have to stand up to them. And I think people are starting to wake up to this, and we have to keep promoting this across the country on radio programs and talking to other people and, uh, you know, getting our some of our news media to wake up and and say the right things but here here's the problem the most of the large media is controlled by the unions too right uh, yeah but indeed well we're at a, a real inflection point strategic inflection point here in our society with what's going on with the democrat party with unions and everything that we've been talking about. So, uh, you know, I think the only thing that we can do is all just be the be the change we want to see. Just stand up, uh, do our part, you know, and and then just encourage other people to do the same. Just uh, think back to the the American Revolution and what a small number of people that was that ended up changing America for the for the better. Uh, I think we're in the same position now. There's 75 million of us that are disappointed with the outcome, and uh, if we all do the right thing, I think we can probably pull this thing out. Well, I do too, and here's something that I got from, he's actually my basketball coach in high school, but I got from him last night an email, and um, um, they were sayings from Thomas Jefferson, and I'd like to just quote a few to you real quick. Sure. Uh, Jefferson said, when we get piled up upon one another in large cities in Europe, we shall become as corrupt as Europe. Uh, he, the second thing he said, the democracy will cease to exist when you take away from those who are willing to work and to give those who would not work. Yeah. Well, that's what's one of the things the Democrats are doing now with all the funds they're putting out there. And then he says, it is incumbent on every generation to pay its own debts as it goes. A principle which if acted on would save one half wars of the world right and he says i predict future happiness for americans if they can prevent the government from wasting uh the labors of people under the pressure of taking care of them and let me just finish up here he says my reading of history convinces me that the most government results from too much government absolutely no free man shall ever be debarred from the use of arms and the strongest reason for the people to retain the right to keep and bear arms as a last resort, is to protect themselves against tyranny in government. Absolutely. Um, and uh, oh, there's two more here. Um, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots. And, and uh, to compel a man to subsidize with his taxes, the propagation of ideas which he disbelieves and horrors is a simple tyrannical. And... Um, these are all things that are going on today. Yeah, great great thoughts to end the show on. Dave, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. And again, the, the, the website is Dave, uh, thedevilatourdoorstep.com, thedevilatourdoorstep.com. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks, and have a great weekend. You as well, thank you. Just to remind you, if you want uh, tickets to the event coming up on uh, April the 17th, send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com.
Also, if you'd like to be on the newsletter that I send out on the uh, subscription list, uh, you can, and also your thoughts on the show. I always appreciate hearing from you. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. Join us on Monday. We're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed, the president emeritus of uh, the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTague will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>